short distance from Salt Lake City lies the ruins of a great booming resort known as the Great Salt Air. Some of you might only know it as the Salt Air is the concert venue. What a lot of people don't know is how at the Salt Air that we know is a small adaptation from what it used to be. You're listening to Clapped by Fire. The Apocalypse. Yo, what's up, guys? What's How's up? Going? So I've got some crazy news to tell you guys. Uh, true crimers, everyone out there that, uh, you know, is into this type of stuff. Jeffrey Dahmer's stepmother passed away yesterday. And uh, that dumb bitch constantly defended him until the very day she died. So you know what? I think this world might be a little... A little better without her here. <clears throat> Not trying to be rude. Oh, poor Granny. <laughs> <laughs> yep, she continually denied that Jeffrey Dahmer did not do it until the very day she died. She defended him in court, even after all the evidence of um, the barrel in the corner of his room had body torsos in it, the dead body in the bathtub at the time. And uh, even when Jeffrey Dahmer came out and admitted to what he did, she still defended him until the very day. So, you know what? Rest in peace, Granny. Like I said, I think this world my little better place without you in it. So, <laughs> hey, her, her baby boy would never do anything like that, ever. So, I don't know how correct this is, but I just remember watching the show on Netflix that uh, the dad, when he went into... Because I've seen, like, interviews with him in real life, and I've also seen interview, you know, just like kind of in the movie. It's acting and all, but <clears throat> I've seen some stuff where supposedly when he was talking to Jeffrey Dahmer, he told him that he had similar impulses, too. Obviously, he, you know, he said he never acted on them, but still, that whole family is just a little, uh, a little off to me. For sure. And then something else, uh, small town Tennessee, <laughs> shout out to Maddie Hall. <laughs> if you don't know that story, uh, she's a police officer that slept with six other, <laughs> six other different deputies. And, uh, you know, it's just kind of funny because uh, how many divorces are happening right now knowing that, uh, you know, your husband's a police officer and you come home and you find out that, you know, <laughs> she gang banged like the entire team. <laughs> we don't know if at the same time or separately, but, you know, shout out to Maddie Hall again. Apparently she wasn't racist because, you know, she banged every flavor of the ice cream. So <laughs> and uh, she doesn't I, have a job anymore. So God, sucks to suck. <laughs> Did you see that TikTok? I, I sent you a around with, you, like, you uh, <laughs> with the dog in the background too, and I'm like, "Oh, oh yeah, gosh, man. <laughs> like seriously, even the canine unit." <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> yeah. Oh, poor Fluffy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dude. Yeah, that's funny, but I don't know if that hit a little bit closer to home. I'd be like, "What in the hell is my tax dollars going to?" You know? <laughs> right. I've seen a lot of jokes like. Uh, uh, somebody brings donuts to work, and the police officer reaches in, pulls out <laughs> Maddie Hall, <laughs> <laughs> or uh, <laughs> you know, you're you're, you're uh, filing some paperwork, and you have to use the restroom, and you walk in there and uh, <laughs> run into Maddie Hall. <laughs> <laughs> uh, some uh, some funny jokes going around. Uh, dude, yeah, that poor girl, she's gonna never live this one down. So, in the next couple months, everyone's gonna forget all about it. Oh, for sure, for sure. But yeah. you know, she's definitely there. All those people are gonna have uh, definitely uh, career changes for sure. And you know, just trying to just trying to make a little little fun out of some dark humor, okay? For sure. <laughs> well, the thing is, like, was all this done while they were on the clock? Not a lot of. I don't know. Google search it and uh, let us know next time. I've just, I'm just uh, thinking, like, if everything is, if she's doing all this stuff on the clock, is she considered a prostitute? Uh, maybe she's she getting could, uh, paid while she's on the clock, and uh, oh, you know, she's getting paid to do that. So maybe, uh, maybe she's gonna be starting OnlyFans here pretty soon. Hey, it seems like she's got a little bit of a following. So <laughs> uh, this next thing that I'd like to share kind of breaks my heart a little bit. 
The co-founder of Rick and Morty <clears throat> has had some allegations and some charges against him. And uh, yesterday there were some leaked text messages between him and an underage girl. And uh, I've gotten on and I've read them. And uh, I don't know, I love Rick and Morty, but I'm just kind of disgusted by people's choices in life. Being, in a, being an older man and telling an underage girl to uh, whore herself on the internet and calling her your little slut and just saying really a lot of stuff like that kind of breaks my heart a little bit because I, like I said, I'm a big Rick and Morty fan and uh, just kind of reading all that information is just truly saddening. I know Sean's playing high on life right now. <laughs> yeah, I love that game, man. It's so good. But yeah, man, that, that breaks my heart. It's too bad they I don't know. Just disgusting. I, I can't stand pedophiles, but yeah. Rick and Morty was uh awesome, especially uh Pickle Rick. That was the episode, man. You know, <laughs> that really got me hooked. That was a great episode. Hell yeah. Rick and Morty, me and my wife used to watch two episodes before bed every day, so Right. I've watched a show, rewatched it. It's definitely uh I just love how blunt and just my type of humor it is, but you know, Sad, sad information there. <clears throat> For sure. So I got one last can thing. Honestly say that I, or, can honestly say that I've never seen it. I've never actually watched a Rick and Morty show, so. You're missing out, big guy. <laughs> I I concur. So uh, one other thing, too. So, Sean, I'm going to send you this information uh, after we hop off. But apparently there was a study done where they believe that beards have a purpose. There's a lot of people that grow beards. Have you ever thought, like, why why do people have beards? Uh, never really crossed my mind before. If you know anything about, like, uh, evolution, 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 um, uh, you know, everything in our body has a purpose. But uh, there was a study done. I'll, like I said, I'll send it to you later. And, it, you know, it's, it's just, it, like, in theory. But um, back in the olden days... People without beer, or they, they, you know, I had like a test dummy and stuff, but they would punch this this test dummy as hard as they could with like a gauntlet on and stuff, and almost every single time it would break, it would break the dummy's jaw. And then they would throw like these big Viking beards on these dummies, and they would punch them, and their beer or their jaws would only break fifty four percent of the time. Damn. So in theory, <clears throat> people are, th or you know, the study that was done, they're they're thinking that maybe your beard, not you know, keeps your face warm, makes you look hella freaking sexy, but third, it uh you know protects your face from you know cold weathers, but also, um you know our fighting our ancestors, you know fighting history, you know, kind of kind of interesting. So I don't know, just kind of some food for thought. <laughs> Think about it. And like I said, I'll send that information over later, but. Uh, so, so what you're saying is all my ancestors were warriors. And I don't know. Maybe. Dude, maybe. Pop, pop a beard like this. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> or just all your ancestors were able to take a punch. You yeah, know? Maybe that too. Yeah. <laughs> you got you got fighting blood in you if you're able to grow a big old thick beard. And... There you go. <laughs> <clears throat> so, yeah. So, there, so there's that for you guys. Like I said, Jeffrey Dahmer's mom died. Maddie Hall. Rick and Morty. And then there's a beard study that... And I was reading an article on and just thought it, like I said, just thought it was super interesting that, uh, you know, kind of like your, your gallbladder, like a lot of people, like they don't think, oh, there's not a purpose. We don't use it anymore. But, you know, every, everything in our body has a purpose. And so I don't know, there's, there's theories that your beard was, uh, it protects your face, but also, in, you know, in the olden days when you're fighting for survival is also a way to protect you from, from blunt force. So people Pretty have been punching each other in the faces for thousands and thousands of years <laughs> kind of makes sense that your body would be like hey i <laughs> actually read on some kind of studies before that you know facial hair has gone you're ever which way on evolution from what what you're talking about uh like keeping your face warm that people during some of the uh big pandemics in the past were Growing beards because they thought that it filtered out all the bacteria uh, to keep them from getting sick. And then they got to the point where just like, well, the beard's actually harboring all the uh, bacteria. And then being clean shaven was more of a higher status in life, like the royalty and everything like that. And then it got back to beards are cool and beards are bad and kind of 
jumped everywhere. Something that kind of bugs me today is like your body produces natural oils that literally lubricate your beard. And nowadays, it's like everybody wants to sell you the beard comb. Everyone wants to sell you the beard oil. You have to rub five ointments on your face to have this good, luscious beard. And it's just like, nah, I ain't falling for all that stuff. I. But, yeah, I definitely see that, how some people think that it's dirty. or, You know, I've grown out a beard quite a couple of times, and you'll, you'll eat some food. And then later on that day, be like, <laughs> like, I'm smelling the soup I had earlier or something, you know. So get a little stuck in your mustache, kind of gross, but, you know, it <laughs> makes sense. <laughs> Worst part about having a beard, man, is, like, drinking a beer. Because, like, it literally goes everywhere. It gets caught in the mustache, and there it goes, you know what I mean? <laughs> Okay, Mr. John, yeah. you're up. All right. Get started. So, Great Saltaire goes back to as far back as the pioneers of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Three days after they reached the Great Salt Lake Valley in 1947, they traveled to the lake. Not only did they discover that the lake was extremely salty, but it was almost impossible to sink kept on heading to the lake to celebrate holidays and celebrate the 4th of July and other holidays that they celebrated at the time. They built a house near the lake so they could have a changing rooms. For a long while, they stopped going to the lake due to the four-hour four carriage ride, but as soon as the Transcontinental Railroad completion in 1969, within the next couple of years, the railroads popping up Salt Lake to Nevada, the lake being more accessible to the businessmen who decided to capitalize on the new accessibility of the lake. Within a few years, there are a few results that came in to be like Lake Point, Lakeside. After Lake Point opened, there was another resort that started construction nearby the lake, Black Rock. There are a few other popped up over the next decade. Some better than the others. Over the few, sorry, over the few times due to the lake receding, um, some of the resorts shut down. A crazy note: there was a lake side resort, Lake Park, that moved further their carousel and pavilion further inland, Farmington area. You guessed it; that place is now known today as Lagoon. Do they July uh, 19. Question for you real fast. Do they harvest any salt from the Great Salt Lake and sell it in any local stores around here in Utah County or northern Utah, do you know? I'm not sure if it's still working today, but they did have that it was actually called the Great Salt Terre, um Salt Company used to um, harvest a lot of the salt from the lake and distribute it out throughout throughout the country. And in 1983, news broke that they'll be starting the new resort called the Great Saltaire. The name comes from the local business called the Saltaire Beach Company, which you just asked, which was the salt mining company at the time. It would be one of the major stockholders of the new building, only second to the LDS church. For the man, Matthew White, who has had the idea of taking a 340 acres of the beachfront property, but also building 600 homes in tandem with the new resort. Whole area, huge community. Although the building of the homes fell through, nothing was going to stop the salt air from being built. Say, so, yeah, I was looking online and seeing some of the plans that had that they had for the whole massive community. If you're familiar with the salt air area. Um, everything back behind it up towards the mountain, pretty much where the, uh, is it US 201 is coming along or where it goes? That was actually going to be a big, massive community. I thought it was pretty cool. It was kind of sad that, you know, it, it fell through and wasn't able to happen. At the time, the, Construction of the Great Saltaire was being advertised as the Coney Island of the West. Each place 
they're taking the total length of the decking being 100, 1100 feet long. The pavilion, 200 feet by 140 feet. There were 300 men hired to build the building. It's a massive structure, and their deadline was it set an open Memorial Day, 1893. Had to push it back one week. They weren't able to open on Memorial Day weekend as planned. With the help of Matthew White, people were able to hop on the train from Provo and connect to, to connect. A little nervous doing this on the first time. All right. Nah, you're good, dude. Just take your time. Yeah. Everyone loves yeah. loves to hear your voice. Um, I'm definitely trying Stone to jump voice. in to get this conversation. So I do have another quick question for you, John. Take a little breather, real fast. Okay. You know how uh, you know how it snows in northern Utah, like uh, cats and dogs up here. Do you also know if if maybe any of that salt is made from the Great Salt Air? Do you know? Is that another, that might be another question for you? I'm not sure if it's actually done from the Great. Salt air again. I'm not sure if the company. I might. I'd be able to look it up sometime and see. If it's still in business, but I know 95 percent of the salt that we use. Uh, the roads used to be done, like the salt lake area. Um, but I'd have to look further in to see if they're still running and still going. Interesting. So something else, real fast too. <clears throat> I was just recently reading a book. It's called The Hungry Brain. And uh, in there, you know, it's, it's kind of talking about how the body, um, you know, needs certain nu nutritions to survive. And salt is actually one of the very few minerals that you can actually taste. And I don't know about you guys. I don't know about you guys, but I am definitely a salty snacker. I, I choose pretzels, uh, Cheez-Its. Um, a lot, a lot of salty stuff over the sweet, sugary stuff, which makes me think that if I like salt so much, am I deficient in salt in some way, shape, or form? A lot of the food we eat has tons of sodium in it. True. But, uh, just, uh, I don't know. That's my little stab, kind of, kind of thinking about that while you're talking about it. Yeah. So, because of Matthew White, uh, and train systems they actually got to a point to where you know they had the train running down to provo it would go from provo up to salt lake they would actually connect from salt lake over to the uh utah nevada railroad which put them right near the salt air uh which gave people a lot more accessibility over the first year in the population that it was at the time 1883 or sorry yeah no 1893 for the first year over a hundred thousand people made it to the resort thinking about the population um what it was at the time that was pretty huge um in 1906 the average turnout jumped to about 200,000 annually so you also have to think that these places um in a water resort you're looking from memorial day till about labor day that they were open so that time not sure what utah's uh population was but 100,000 annually was pretty huge yes by 1919 and it actually jumped up to about 450,000 annually which is i think it was crazy numbers um Especially from that. And if you actually go and look at some of these pictures of what it used to be, um, it's it's, it's it's majorly insane uh, to see the amount of people that were showing up there in pictures. So they're just showing up to just kind of like chill at the beach and play in the super salty water? It, from my understanding, is that, is that what they're doing? Yeah, so a lot of the things was the, um, like the big massive pier. Uh, instead of just being a big, massive walking pier, the majority of the pier was actually uh, changed into housing, about a 1,000 uh, changing rooms, people to change. 
Uh, they had big, massive pavilions. Um, I'll get into a little bit uh, further down the line, but they had so much stuff going on. They just every year they kept on building and building, building uh, for more things that they had to um, draw all these people in. Have you guys ever gone swimming in the ocean? Yes. You know, when you go swimming in the ocean, it's super fun. And then you get like salt in your lips and in your eyes. I can only imagine swimming, you know, in the Great Saltaire, where just salt is everywhere. <laughs> I'm sure it was all fun and games until you got your mouth in there. And then you're just like shrivel up like a little grape, like <laughs> water. The thing is, I mean, people didn't think about all that stuff, you know, way back in the day. Um, I think the ocean is what, three, four percent salt. Um where the great salt air is actually 27 percent salt jesus christ so literally it was almost impossible to sink because all they would do is float you think there's a lot of a a lot of minerals in the great salt air that maybe were beneficial to people's health possibly i mean if they want to i don't think they have anyone with all the salt getting into their system uh no one when they came to visit was probably uh sodium deficient soaking it all up (laughs) Uh, a little fun fact starting in 1903 salt air and lagoon had a little bit of a rivalry going all the salt air change charged 50 cents one way to get to their resort lagoon was selling round trip tickets for 50 cents the owner would actually take little jabs at the salt air to say that the only wanted 50 percent of the business and want the salt air had to come to the Saltaire to Lagoon. They would charge double. It would be uh, a higher, pretty much double the price to go to Lagoon than go to the Saltaire. <laughs> they just figured so, that. Just so everybody knows, an average ticket to uh, Lagoon right now is 90 to $117 last time I checked. Yep. Sounds about right. They're just like, they figured that by having charged double they were going to get the higher um your clientele so lagoon was actually saying that you know the highest of society are going to come here and the, so therefore the lagoon crowd is going to be uh, what they want and what's what they want is going to be a lot better than what's going to go to the salt air it was like technically the the, the lagoon crowd was little bit um say thought they were better what it was Uh, if you been to the lagoon over the last couple decades all i can say is that they'll let anyone in they're just kind (laughs) of looking even at the 96 even if you're black right even if any any anything, man. Okay, just let check anyone in. in. We, we are in racist Utah. I'm just checking. Okay. I don't. I was just about to say. I actually wrote a little joke that said, "Isn't that right, Sean?" Because you know, Sean <laughs> usually gets uh, season tickets there. Yep. And uh, I think Sean's probably the the widest trash person that I know. <laughs> uh, so. <laughs> so well, just coming off already, huh, John? You know what? So. Yeah, just saying they're pretty much let anyone in now so it's from what it was and until what it is now it, it's totally changed and i think it's because the great saltair did shut down over the years so my personal preference i'd go to lagoon instead of salty water that's just my personal preference <laughs> yeah for sure i'll say if you ever look at pictures of this place and all the stuff that they had like it it looked awesome um let's see so there wasn't just swimming at Salt Air. There was also the big, massive dance hall. Uh, they would actually bring in two bands, one to play on one side and one to play on the other. Most weekends they would have is so many people dancing. They banned the Charleston being danced because they were afraid that everyone dancing and jumping at the same time, uh, it would make them collapse the dance floor. There were certain songs that they wouldn't allow or certain dances they wouldn't allow because we're so afraid with all the people that showed up and all the people that uh, would be doing the same moves at the same time. The whole thing would collapse. 
if you've ever been to Utah and you've ever been to a dance in Utah, you know that that dumb song that's like reverse, reverse, <laughs> two step this time. The, I I can't remember the name of it, but I could just imagine you know tons and tons of people doing that in a every single <laughs> dance I've ever been to. I've heard that dumb song. Let's <laughs> say so looking at it. So all this stuff is built up on uh built up on pyres. Everything towards the beginning of the lake was actually um, raised above the water. We take a, a pier out to the whole structure. So that's what they were afraid of because, uh, you know, all the people that would show up like, all weekends to do a dance, that everything would um, cause the whole structure to fall over. So it was, it was kind of cool because everything is done over the water. I uh, just wanted to take a, I know we're a, a new uh, podcast, but I want to take a quick sponsor break. And uh, we got a little interest from a sponsor. And this episode is actually brought to you uh, by Juan's Bathing Suit Company. Ooh. You are looking for bathing suits with no fur, no wands. Starting in 1890s, Swans made it his mission to make the best smartest bathing suits. Just remember, if your knees and your shoulders are, aren't covered, you are going to hell. By buying Swans, it's easy. It's one, two, three. Just remember, don't go to hell, go to Swans. Thanks, Juan. Dude, I freaking loved that. I <laughs> yeah, say, being a new one, uh, cover yeah. your shoulders, you go to hell. That is the most politically correct thing that I've ever heard in Utah. If you do not wear, <laughs> oh they are very judgy about your swimsuits here. That is, that was very politically correct. I loved that. Thank you, thank you for that sponsor. I'll say, just yeah, it's it's what he said. Just was his mission to make the the best. Modest bathing suits. Uh, just like if his knees and his shoulders aren't covered, then you're you're going to hell. So back in 1890, uh, makes sense. <laughs> just wanted me me to iterate, or yeah, wanted me to reiterate that you know, just remember that uh, go to hell, go to Juan's. Nice. All right. <laughs> Oh, in 1909, they built a massive ship restaurant called the Leviathan. In 1910, the Hydrogen was built, which included an indoor bike racing track. So many structures were built, but the majority, the majority of their budget came, but the majority of their budget came from the off season. They had to do the maintenance to take care of the salt buildup on all three, all the, their structures. Um, just after Labor Day until opening back just before Memorial Day, they had teams working daily just to keep the maintenance on the structure. Which I thought was crazy because you don't actually think that you know, there'd be as much maintenance during the downtimes, but in on the water with the water that's 27% salt, salt build up everywhere. So I do have a quick question real fast. Cool. So I'm assuming the building, the structure is made out of wood. Yes. And uh, you have to ask yourself the question, well, why didn't they use metal? Well, doesn't, if someone correct me if I'm wrong, doesn't uh, doesn't salt rust metal faster? I know in Utah yeah, there's does. a lot of car policies where uh, <clears throat> you want to get, like, protection in Utah because all the salt they put over the roads will actually start to erode or, you know, make – the bottom of your car gets super rusty, so salt does make metal rust faster, correct? That so that, that, that's why you'd have to be doing all that extra maintenance. That's uh, it's pretty interesting. Yeah, so what they're saying is the majority of their, like with all the people coming, the majority of their budget wasn't necessarily hiring bands and uh, hiring all the people to work there. is actually the maintenance to clean up the salt. That's the majority of their budget. They're that was the maintenance. 
say going back to that, like when I lived out in Hawaii doing construction out there uh, with the the salt in the air, um, everything that you own, um, when it came to cars, if you ever looked underneath it, it would be completely caked and rust underneath there. So, in Hawaii? Definitely in Hawaii, yeah. Why in Hawaii? Is it for the salt from the sea? Yeah. Interesting. That's like one of my first motorcycles that I had that I had out there. It was covered. You know, a lot of the, a lot of it was covered. And um, so I went up for it and to go look at it. I was like, wow, this is rusty. This is crappy. You know, just ever. Then the guy that was selling is like, well, if you actually look at almost every single bike out here, unless you have some kind of dehumidifier in your garage, you're going to have rust all over it. So can't you kind of like spray paint things, though, too? To make it so they don't rust, kind of like just spray paint the whole bottom of your car black or something. It, is there people that do that, or is it just kind of one of those things that uh, there's really nothing you can do? Over there is just pretty much it's it's going to rust, so that's the point. So, yeah, interesting. Oh, all right. Nineteen fourteen, they built a roller coaster at the resort. Each year, they built more. Like the Tunnel of Love, a bowling alley, a fishing pond. They also built a roller skating rink. As great as the great, as great as the salt air had become, no one was ready for the number of tragedies that were to come. On April twenty second, nineteen twenty five, the newspapers or the newspaper states that the maintenance employees smelled smoke in the hydrodrone. Hydro drone ran over to see four foot flames coming from the center. He ran over and started stomping out the flames. And when he got it down to embers, he ran to get help. However, the two minutes it took him to get help, the wind had restarted the flames and grew so fast that there was nothing they could do to stop it. By four thirty, the solitaire had been burned to ashes. On April 25th, management announced that they would rebuild the Salt Air 2 would be built even bigger and more elaborate. The new Salt Airs reopened on May 22nd, 1926. 1926, they also added more games, a beach, city of the lake was reborn. But long after they had reopened the great depression was making it tough to reach numbers that they were used to first memorial day after the great depression hit they had about ten thousand people show up on their busiest day of the year so a lot less than what they were used to the great depression and full swing salt air would promote dancing their blues away help people dance their sorrows away and with cars becoming more prominent on the roads, the Saltaire decided to build a big, massive parking lot so they could be able to accommodate the crowds. They built the biggest dance hall in the world. The weekends were always packed, so they were back. And it helped that you know, they were more accessible. It wasn't just train, it was cars as well. A tragedy struck again when a fire struck the roller coaster. Within a couple of days, the wind had come through and actually blew the rest of it down. We just had a whole roller coaster, a little bit of a fire. I thought they put it out. Wind came in, blew it over, tumbled. Sounds like Mother Nature is no saying, get the F out of my lake. <laughs> oh, yeah. So I say that's this is just a little bit of what, what happened. So it was... Definitely a lot of tragedies when it came to, to this structure. Let's see, to make matters worse, the one thing the resort had always relied on started failing them as well. The water over the years had slowly receded further and further from the massive structure. Each goers had to walk a half a mile to get to the water. They also had problems with the brine smell and salt flies. Didn't know what salt salt flies were before, and a lot of times here in Utah, you know, when you hear about the water turning over at the lake, you'll get that smell. Um, what in the hell is a salt flight going to eat? Just quick question: Is it out there just munching on salt? 
I'll say once it... the water goes away and it's just the salt flies that were resting um, like on the marshy little areas so the where, stench, this, where the, the water used area. to be. Okay, okay, that makes the, sense. So I'll say here in Utah, occasionally you get that big rancid smell in the air, you know, uh, with the water turning over. And so that's what I figured the brine smell would be uh, that they were talking about. So right towards the end of the Great Depression, Saltaire was not out of the woods yet. Because in 1943, uh, with World War II going, trying to get manpower and materials, they were the first time shut their doors for the season. They also remained closed in 1944 and 1945. So the fact that they couldn't get anyone hired to run um, all their attractions and couldn't get all the materials because all the materials were being sent overseas or, or being built for um, everyone's needs in World War II had to shut down for looks like three years. And in 1946, they decided to get ready to open with the rising water levels. Saw a little more promise. The small of 10,000 people showing up for the 4th of July weekend, they got to the point where they were losing money. They weren't the big powerhouse that they used to be. With more and more problems in the 1960s, the owners had sold the Saltaire to the state. They just sat for a decade. Going from such an amazing successful um, to being a ran down building. 1961, the Randan building was used for the movie Carnival of Souls. So if you wanted to try to find clips of the movie um, Carnival of Souls, you'll be able to see what it was like right after it closed. And I saw a few little uh, clips of the video. It was pretty much a lady driving up um, the area and just walking around. You'll be able to see like the little fun uh, spinning tunnel, uh, slides. Um, it's just it's eerie looking uh, after it closed. Big, massive building, completely empty in shambles. Any uh, ghost stories about it closing down later? Are people seeing any anything? There is stuff that will be coming up a little bit later. It's actually a, a great paranormal hotspot that uh, a lot of people like to go to. In 1967, a man named Shelton Brewster wanted to purchase the Saltaire from the state and renovate it. Um, what was left the building. The state said that if he was able to come up at $250,000 by August, they would sell it to him, the rights to the building. By the time the deadline came, he was just a little bit short. He wasn't able to you know, come and... Um, Renovate everything. And a little fun little story. Around this time, the Beach Boys were having a concert at the Lagoon. Before they went to Lagoon, they actually decided to go out to the Great Salt Air and uh, take a look around because they heard stories about the what it used to be. A car got stuck in the mud, so they actually showed up late for the concert with lake mud still all over their shoes. Next day, they headed back Take a little photo shoot. And one of the albums that they have is actually one of the pictures of the Saltaire the day after they got stuck there. I don't I'll... remember what the album cover was, but yeah, I can actually see part of the great Saltaire in the back. I love the Beach Boys. Thank you guys so much for coming to the great Saltaire. Sorry you got stuck, but I love you guys. <laughs> Despite this, this isn't in my notes, but so after all this stuff happened with the uh, lake going um, further inland and then all the tragedies that they had, that's the time that Lagoon actually started uh, building more, more things and becoming more popular. So it's about that time that Lagoon was kicking the trash out of the, uh, out of the lake. And once they closed down, um, that's why you always hear about Lagoon now instead of... Uh, I've actually brought up to people I was doing something on the Great Salt Air, and half the people I talked to didn't even know what it was. Which is kind of sad from what it used to be. So, so, John, I got a quick question for you real fast. Yeah. 
<clears throat> so the building was built, it burned down, and then it was built again. So it burned down twice, correct? Correct. And each time they rebuilt it, they rebuilt it in a different location, correct? Kind of. So the first one was built at, let's say, if you're looking at the um, aerial view, it was more to the right side. Second one they built, uh, they actually built a little bit more to the left. And then this, uh, the final third one was as further in, further inland towards the left as well. And that's the one so that you, not... when you're driving to Thule, you pass it, correct? Right? Correct. Thule. <laughs> Tooele, Thule. I'm from southern Utah, so if you're going to, don't judge me for how I pronounce these uh, upper northern Utah words. <laughs> Mountain. Woof. <laughs> yeah. Let's see. In the 1980s, the second lady of the lake and its demise. When it also burnt down to the ground. But the boardwalk being damaged, the firefighters were not able to get out there to put it out. The second building burnt down. My thing that they would have done with building, you'd be wrong. Saltair would be reborn. What it is today. So do they know what caused those fires? Just out of curiosity? uh, No. Don't. They just know that there was games that started, and then next thing you know... It was Maddie Hall. It was Maddie Hall. It was Maddie Hall. Yes, (laughs) it was Maddie Hall. Oh, man. I see. Yeah, with the um, damage on the boardwalk, the firefighters weren't able to get out there, so all I could do was just sit there and, and watch it burn. (laughs) <laughs> at least toast yeah. some marshmallows or something don't let that go to waste yeah. <laughs> with the second building burnt down you might think that you'd be done with building but you'd be wrong Saltaire was reborn to what it is today most people know was that concert venue 1981 they brought an old air, air, air plane hangar and about a half a mile from where the second building stood Putting up the Middle Eastern towers, what you see today with the gold flame towers on the sides. 1882, the third lady of the lake was built. New owner of the Saltair didn't want to take or make the lake the focal point of this building, so he put it further in from the waterline. Of course, they can't have a Saltair without having a disaster. 1983, the Utah had recorded uh, a record amount of moisture so in the spring of 1984 the water had risen to put the new building underwater it was water that utah needed and all the water caused the great salt ah, sorry the great salt air to flood also put a tiny town of Th- another little fact is it also put the tiny town of thistle completely underwater so that year, record water levels, the Great Salt Air underwater, also put the tiny town of Thistle, uh, that's much if you go up Spanish Fork Canyon, um, there's a little tiny town of Thistle that was completely destroyed because it was underwater. It seems like the Great Salt Air had nothing but bad luck. It has its ups and downs. No one will ever keep the salt air down. Nowadays, the salt air isn't only known for a great music venue. It's also a well-known a paranormal hotspot. Plenty of ghost hunting teams and videos out online. You'll see the stories of apparitions, disembodied voices, and just an overwhelming feeling of not being alone. Hey, ghost hunter wo- guy, have you ever been out there? <laughs> Actually, I've not, no. Gosh, dang it. Okay. I'm just curious. John's our ghost. Uh, not John. Sean is our ghost guy. So, uh, have you, uh, Sean, have you ever heard anything about uh, anything being paranormal out there? You know, I've only heard like just rumors and small stories saying that it is haunted and that you hear things and see apparitions and stuff. But like, I don't know any of the stories behind it. I've never done my own research and I've never had the opportunity to go down there. So, okay, John, when the fires happened, did anybody die in the fires? So there was second fire. What happened was 
No, it wasn't the second fire. It was when the roller coaster fire happened. Uh, two people passed away trying to put it out. Uh, and then the next day, when the winds came through and blew it over, there were four people who passed away. A total of six people that died during that fire. The first fire, it was a little bit on the off season. By the time the guy saw the flames, it out down to the embers and then went to go grab help. There was no one around that. So there was just the roller coaster fire and um, collapse that caused some deaths there. So people have died there. It's not just people think people it's haunted because it's haunted. There has been people that have passed away. Six people. Okay. Yes. And just the amount of tragedy uh, when it came to you know, people's livelihoods. Uh, just the destruction and probably the, the feelings of people as they watched it burn down two different times. It's definitely something that might have lot of um so <laughs> yeah. Yeah. so uh you know in utah is there's a lot of religious people here do you do you do you know anything about uh the mormon community saying that that all these people out there going out partying and dancing was bad or do you do you know if the the, the groups of people that were going out there were lds people towards the beginning the majority of it was the lds people um when you think about partying over there back in the day, what it was was, you know, uh, carnival type rides, um, floating in the Great Salt Lake, and then uh, a big dance floor. Later so on. it so, wasn't like six kegs of beer and, you know, strippers and that kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, later on, they might have brought in some soda. Um, that's about it. <laughs> so say parties nowadays as opposed to parties you know back in the 1890s uh pretty sure it's it's a big 180 from what it used to be i i'm just thinking that uh since you know since all these natural disasters happen the fires and and the water levels rising that maybe maybe the religious communities were like yeah satan god you know you know what i mean kind of like yeah but okay just just out of curiosity yeah, there's a <laughs> chance there's a chance you know, not to detour from your story, man, but it, that whole uh, random fire thing really reminds me of a, a hotel that's in uh, around the Ogden area up here, and uh, it was put up on an Indian burial ground and then burned down and randomly burned down again. Like after they rebuilt it, it's like on its like fourth build, I think, right now. <laughs> and uh, yeah, they see stuff up there all the time. So I don't know, maybe. If there's something with that over there too i have no idea but it just reminded me of that story oh is that that one I'm trying to think that's the one that had uh it's a big paranormal place isn't it yeah yeah they I said mean, it's the well name, known the name escapes me right now also but like the very second you started saying that i was like oh maybe but... so like the cannery or something nah uh, my, I might be thinking of a different place. I don't know. It'll come to me. And yeah. yeah. <laughs> so John, oh, correct me if yeah. I'm wrong, but the wrong. great, the great salt. Okay. <clears throat> wrong. <laughs> so the great salt hair is actually what is left of Lake Bonneville. Correct. So Lake Bonneville, uh, actually used to cover the majority of. Utah. Yeah. But but what's left of it is the Great Salt Terror, like the Great Salt Lake, right? Great Salt Lake. Uh, from my understanding, yeah. Once everything's kind of receded um, from Lake Bonneville, this is what they say like millions of years ago, uh, Utah was completely underwater. Um, so yeah, I think the Great Salt Lake is uh, remnants of what the Lake Bonneville was. My understanding. So one of the most well-known ghosts of the salt air was known as Salt Air Sally. Salt Air Sally was found by some hunters in 1996, one of the marshes by the Great Salt Air. And throughout the years, people have said that they had been in contact with her, their investigations, her and her name spoken in audio, auto, audio recordings, and thinking that since no one was actually known 
who she really was. She came there searching for answers. It wasn't, it, it wasn't Maddie Hall? <laughs> I'm just kidding. It wasn't Maddie Hall. No. <laughs> Oh, there was there was nothing sexual involved. Salt Saltwater Sally, that that's the name, right? Saltwater Sally. S salt Air Sally. Salt Air that that has like a that has like a ring to it. <laughs> Does so pretty much they <laughs> in the interviews that I watched. So I was like, we named her Salt Air Sally because uh, didn't know who she was, so he named her Sally, and we uh, found her by the salt air, so we called her. Uh, Solitaire Sally. <laughs> you guys are geniuses. <laughs> see. And so for years, um, tried to figure out who this was. And they could never figure out who Solitaire Sally's was. Um, years. Um, yeah, I think it was 18 years later. Uh, there was a scientist not sure exactly what type of uh she did like a air apple um testing so she could actually test the minerals in people's hair try to figure out what part of the country uh drink water from each each area the water has a different type of um structure or minerals in it so 18 years later, there was a scientist that came and actually asked to get some of the hair from Salter Sally and figured out that she um, spent a lot of time between Washington and Salt Lake. And she looking at the timeline from when her body was found and saw that the missing person, there was a missing person in Washington that fit her description. And after the DNA from... Um, Salta or Sally's mother um, was taken. We were able to give her a name. And her name was actually Nikki McColes. And it took, after all the testing and figuring out what was gone, it took 24 years to find out who this person was. Damn. As of right now, I'm not sure who killed her, but hopefully they're still able to solve the cold case because they're still looking into it. There was so much about this place that I could have put in here. History of these buildings are heartbreaking and amazing with all the ups and downs. It was great to see the great solitaire will never die and live on through the internet, the memories of everyone who had been lucky to be a part of it. So, I mean, that's the research that I did for it. Um, I've been to the Great Saltaire a few times to go to some concerts. I saw like Disturbed there, um, oh, Three Days Grace, uh, Rise Against. You know, like they they do some great um, concerts there. But that's why. And the Great Saltaire on, on the Great Saltaire. And the Great Saltaire has been clapped. It has been. Come clapped. on, everybody, give me a clap. <laughs> Woo! <clears throat> so I'm gonna tell you my like... I'm gonna tell you my experience with the Great Saltero fast. So real, so real fast, John, if you could answer this question for me, if you've driven through Utah and then you drive by the Great Saltero, the building looks like a freaking like castle or something or like a. It, do you do you know anything about why it was built the way it is, or if there was if they just built it because someone had an idea? But it, it doesn't look like a typical Utah building. So, again, if you look at the pictures from the first and the second one, uh, that's why you'll see the, the way that it was built this time was to pay homage to first two as well. They tried to keep um, some of the costs down to bring the like an airplane hangar and move it in. So the center of it is pretty much the airplane hangar uh, as the base. And then they would build all the stuff outside so the the towers on the side with the uh middle eastern type towers the edge uh was actually paying homage to um the first two because that's what they were kind of built look like there is that temple in spanish fork that they do like the chalk and stuff every year so yeah. I I don't know when I so okay so I went out to Tule Twila whatever the hell you call it I do not care <laughs> but um 
I went to uh, Oktoberfest uh, when I very first moved up here like four years ago. And I remember we were driving and we went with some other people. And they're like, oh, hey, look, it's the Great Solterre. And I looked over and I was just like, the fuck is that? Like, that looks like some weird Middle East, yeah, Middle Eastern temple-like building. And we kept going. And by the way, Thule, there is freaking nothing there. It is in the middle of butt fuck nowhere. There is nothing out there in Thule. <laughs> but it was cool because we were able to get on these uh, buses and drive around and shoot zombies with paintball guns. It's pretty fun. I've actually never been to a concert of the Great Saltaire, so uh, I, I literally know nothing about it. Thank you, John, so much. But that that is my experience. I've driven right by it. I've seen the building. It looked very strange to me. And uh, other than that, yeah, it's pretty much uh, the lake's dried up. We talked about this earlier in a, in a podcast about how we need this rain because the Great Salt Lake's drying up and all this salt and all these minerals and all these uh you know are going to be released into the environment and then the wind's going to blow and that's going to get up and supposedly uh health professionals are saying that it's toxic for humans to breathe so it's it's crazy to hear that you know obviously throughout history it's pretty much like dried up and refilled and dried up and refilled but we're we're at the point right now where it's uh it's not a it's just a little puddle nothing too crazy i still like seeing the rain and the moisture that's coming this year uh, they were saying that uh, it'll be peeling back up or being close to peeling back up if we had two or three winters just like this. I'm not sure exactly what the moisture uh, or the water levels were back in 1983. But there's a chance with what we're getting this year that we can uh, put a lot more into it. Buying us a little bit more time before the zombie apocalypse happens. Honestly, if, if you've ever been in that building or looked around that building, again, I'd look um, to go look at some of the videos online. It's it's always had like a uh, a darker darker feel inside the building, and I think uh, the is inside. You got the balconies at top, so I say zombie apocalypse. I think that would be a great holdout spot for it. Probably. We would just summon the salt flies to kill them all for us. Or we'd give them Maddie Hall and they'd be satisfied. <laughs> <laughs> you could have Maddie Hall. Yeah. <laughs> Got the whole zombie roster, yeah. man. Uh, but it's just doing all the research. It was just kind of crazy to see um, even just the paranormal part of it. You know, the salt there, Sally, and the, the stuff's going on there. Uh, it took 24 years, and then just the way science has grown over the last couple decades that they were able to pinpoint uh, where she was from and actually find the person um, do it. So, I mean, just went from you know a bunch of tragedies throughout the last 130 years to just trying to you know just get into the science part of it where you can look at someone's hair and see where they've traveled and where they've been and where they drink water. That's crazy. Well, wait, wait. So I I know, you know, like the whole Britney Spears thing, she shaved her head. You didn't want to get drug tested. But they can tell what water you're drinking by a hair sample? Yeah, so each state or each area has a little bit of different type of minerals in their water whether it be natural or something and put in, you know, like people put fluoride in some, some areas in the water. So you can actually take little fractions of your hair, little by little, I'll say it was centimeters of your hair and get it tested each time. And they could see if you drink water outside of the, uh, whatever area you were in to the point to where they can see, all right, well, in this timeline, they spent, let's say this much time in Utah, but then they went ahead and drink water in Idaho, you know, like heading up to Washington and then, all right, well, they spend a little more time in Washington with, you know, these minerals in the hair sample, you know, and it was kind of cool to see some of the science that went into that. That is very interesting. So I got a trivia question for both of you guys. Where in Utah which uh, city has won an award multiple times for having the best tasting water? I'll give you a hint. 
when you drive through this town, you're probably going to see like three or four billboards that are like, bah, 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 water award. Da, da, da. What town is it? Go. Not a clue, I have man. No, I have no <laughs> clue. It's Beaver, Utah. Beaver. I thought they were known for cheese. If you drive, if you drive through, so I'm, I'm from like Southern Utah, Hurricane St. George, you know, yada, yada, yada. And I just remember every single time going up to Beaver, there's always billboards that say they won like some national award for the best tasting you best tasting water. Interesting. It's probably cocaine. In it, let's be honest, but not just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Someone's putting something in the wells up there or down there. <laughs> oh man. Well, so thanks, John. That was a, that was a super interesting topic. Sean, you got anything to yeah, add? A stab? You want to take it that? Uh, no, man, but. You know, something that kind of crossed my mind is with the whole water testing to see where you're from, especially when they used it in this uh, murder victim. Like, you know, Utah is renowned for selling its water to other states. So wouldn't that kind of throw people off? I mean, like, especially the cops, if they were to use that same logic, you know what I'm saying? Like, trying to figure out where that person's from if you're drinking Utah water from texas or arizona or new mexico you know what i mean it's probably not the same mineral content as you know the utah mineral water you know what sean that is a great question yeah we have a lot of answer for it no (laughs) (laughs) so so from what it's just something to think about so from my understanding like the the majority of the the water that we send to other states is actually through the, the waterways I think that um, after like the water treatment plants and the everything like that, you know, we pretty much stay with whatever minerals are in our water. Then, you know, since the water comes down from the mountains and we send it somewhere else um, and just probably switches out from like the a water treatment plant or, you know. This is kind of what I'm thinking We get stuff about. ready for it. This is what I'm kind of thinking about is, uh, you know, sending. So, you know, Utah, we get a lot of our water from like Provo River, the Virgin River. Um, I'm not really thinking of any other big rivers off the top of my head, but I would assume Green that. River. If, yeah, yeah, yeah. I would assume that if you sent water to somewhere else, uh, I just feel like the water as it was going through the river would pick up or either that. I feel like the minerals would kind of be like siphoned out maybe. So they would be. You know what I mean? Because to send water, unless you're like bottling it up and sending it somewhere, um, that's obviously going to be a lot different than having it travel, you know, 500 miles down the river to get to the next city. And in that process, <clears throat> there could be new minerals that are, you know, that that specific uh, part of water is, you know, put in through it, and some of that stuff could get siphoned out. So that's, that's kind of a kind of an interesting question to think about. I've got something else for you. Do you guys know what reverse osmosis is? Yes. <laughs> John, do you know what reverse osmosis is? I've heard the name. I've heard the word before. Uh, do I know details on it? I don't think so. So if you're listening right now, I recommend this is where you turn the podcast off because what I'm about to say might scare a lot of people. <laughs> we as a society, we don't just use single-use water. If we just use single-use water, then we would never have any water. So... All that extra water, so all the water that rains and falls down in the gutters, like goes to the rivers and stuff. But when you take a shower, where does that all extra, where does all where does all that extra water go? When you lay the biggest egg of your life in the toilet and you flush it, <laughs> where does all that extra water go? All that water goes to a treatment plant, and in that treatment plant, you know, obviously they 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 cycle it out and they add they add some minerals for flavor. But if you have a bottled water, I guarantee you from Costco, Walmart, any of these places, if you just go buy clear water, look on that label. If it does not say that it's from a natural spring, it's most likely reverse osmosis. And reverse osmosis is that is that recycled water that uh, you know went down to the plant. And like I said, you could be drinking water that uh, someone threw up in. Uh, it's it's kind of gross. You could be drinking dinosaur. We're all drinking dinosaur piss right now. But uh, it's it's all that water that, that cycled through. That's what reverse osmosis is. I guarantee you, next time you go buy a clear bottle of water, unless it's from a spring, you're drinking reverse osmosis. It's a way to, you know, not just single-use water that allows us to, you know, have a lot, you know, be able to use it again. 
But like I said, they do, they do, you know, filter it. But then you have to ask yourself the question: It's the city, and uh, <laughs> how well are they, uh, you know, cleaning their water? Just remember that. <laughs> Never drinking water again. <laughs> Caterade. That's why I keep the beer. <laughs> that's why everyone was drunk back in the days drinking wine and shit because the uh, water was just poison <laughs> pretty much yeah uh, oh. awesome john good job man yeah good job a, a lot of stresses you know i think i'd be better from time to time but you know first time i gotta guess i had a little bit of stage fright john uh, john close us out yeah. you, you want to say this off camera buddy or off audio recording <laughs> oh, no, no, I'm just letting people know, you know, it'll it'll be awesome. Get better, and I'll have more uh, more Juan uh, commercials uh, sponsorships. <laughs> oh, I loved that. That was that was good. <laughs> right. Okay, sounds good. Say, Thank you everyone for hopping in. Uh, have a good one, and we'll see you guys next week. <laughs>